actually started here pastoring in 1983. Wow, wow. And we moved to Michigan in 19, 2009. So you do live in that forbidden state we call Michigan. We're near and, Notre Dame. <laughs> and near Notre Dame, yes. Uh, what, what are you doing now, I mean, now that you're not pastoring a church? Well, first, I'm reminded when I come back here that there's three stages to adult life. Yes. I know that's not your question, but I got a mic too. One is young adult, one is middle adult, and the third one is you look good. And you do look good. I don't want to hear it anymore. Thank you. And what are we doing? Okay, well, thank you. Janine is my wife, and we, we live in lower Michigan, and I coach churches. I'm doing, I've done 130, which doesn't mean anything, but since we left for six months at a time and try to help them in preaching and in uh, especially boards and, and goals. Amen, amen. Would you bring us the Word of God today? It would. And I'm so glad you're still here. And you, Thank you. You always bring joy to this place. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Serious. you. Thank you. Todd's my great-grandson by a previous marriage. <laughs> no, but... Uh, I'm operating this thing. These guys, when I was here, nobody would trust me with such technical stuff. That's my daughter, Janine. I tried to get, this is true, uh, the Rockney. I was named after Newt Rockney. The, any of you who went here before are Notre Dame fans. I think there were two. I tried to get Rockney every year on my license plate. They're called vanity plates, and I know vanity is a sin, but not for license plates. <laughs> and I never could get it. It's always taken. So when we had seven digits, so was one, two, three to nine. So I go, genius, three looks like an E, right? So I got Rockney, and what do my neighbors say? What's Rockney three mean? or rockin' three. So a friend of mine made a rock band picture, and that's me in the middle. I do play drums. If you ever need me to come back, uh, I can do drums better than that guy. No, I can't, but I always get the question, do I windsurf? Yes, a little bit, but more paddleboard. We're not too far from the lake, and it's wonderful. And I want to talk about 24. Psalm 24. It's right after 23. Uh, thank you for sending me to graduate school. <laughs> Read 23 to me on my deathbed, but help me live by 24. I don't think I ever preached on it before. At least I don't have any record or any file. And I looked at it the other day just when I was looking at the Bible, and I thought, That's, I, uh, uh, why have I never studied that to preach on it. I think I remembered it honest from second grade. Miss Wall was a very devout Catholic Christian, and every morning she would read to the, from the Bible to us, and we'd pray in second grade. I was voted uh, most likely to look good in 100 years <laughs> in second grade. 
No, but she read it and I thought, I remembered it from then. She read this one frequently. Join me in 24. Kids, it's good to have you today. If, if your parents start falling asleep, punch them. <laughs> and it's uh, delightful to have them in the sense that they need to experience this kind of worship. It starts off, look at this bold statement. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world, you could say the universe, and all those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. I never understood that verse until I read that 70% of the earth is water, so it's just how he did it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible actually starts, did you know this? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the earth. Any questions? That's how it starts. It's a big deal to God, and it should be. But this question goes into, whose is this place? And I'm asking you, kids and parents and others, whose are you? If somebody watched your life, whose would they say you belong to, yourself or your goals, or the Lord is in charge of everything. Let him be in charge of our lives. That's what this psalm is really about. The, 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 the Webb telescope, James Webb, is so much bigger than the Hubble telescope. It's a football field mirror, and it's up there revolving. And it sees so much, they've seen they say billions of stars, there are millions of galaxies, and they've discovered thousands and thousands of stars and what are called, hello, stellar nurseries that are producing stars all the time. So the Bible says here to us in a bold first statement, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and you and me, by kingship, he's at least owner of us. And I wish they would add any questions. Let's talk about it. The earth is the Lord's. In the Bible, uh, and by the way, kids, I, took, I brought a picture from <laughs> Lake Michigan. Uh, that's a cow that I trained no, that's not. You, some of, a couple of you are going to believe me if you're over 80. Or, <laughs> But all the creatures of the earth, I think that song we sang, I don't know if you noticed, if, if all creation suddenly could talk, every star would say, John Calvin said, every star has sparks of Jesus Christ in it because he made it. Amen. In fact, Jesus said he knows them all by name. Hello. And he's the Lord, and that's how he starts this. This is from Genesis chapter 1. And I want to say to anyone, and I, I don't care if you believe in evolution. Uh, I don't want to argue it either. I just want to show what this says. And God said, let there be light. And the rest of the verse says, and there was light. If God says it, it is so. It's that simple. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters 
For you bankers, that's not about your stuff. It's about the sky and the atmosphere. And God said, let that be there. And it was, because it's a very, very important scriptural truth. If God says it, it is so. All these, and God said, let the land produce vegetation. Let there be lights in the vault. Let the water teem with living creatures. Let the land provide living creatures. And God said it. The New Testament interprets this creation, the writer of Hebrews, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Any questions? So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Was not made out of what was visible. Second Peter, Peter who walked with Jesus on the earth. The earth was formed by the word of God. Don't ever forget, if he says it, it is so. What I'm saying is, when they split the Red Sea, I shouldn't say they, when God split the Red Sea, he didn't say to the, Egyptian, to the Israelites, who two million strong are standing there, seeing the dust of the Egyptians coming after them, he didn't say, if you'll just wait here, we're going to form a big path across the sea. It's probably going to take a thousand years. Do you mind? No. He said, Red Sea split. If he says it, it is. When Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee and there was a storm and his disciples were sleeping, as three of you are right now, <laughs> they got him up and he said two words, honest, in the Aramaic, two words, peace, stop. And because he said it, the sea stopped, the storm stopped. He didn't get a host of angels to come down and stop the wind. If he says it, it is so. And that's true about forgiveness and eternal life. Kids, if you believe in it, if he says it in the Bible, you're forgiven, it is so. That's a wonderful truth. It's the beginning of song. When, <laughs> when Jesus was born, I don't think, I've read books, chapters, about how Mary got pregnant. Come on. God said, Mary is pregnant. And it was so. When he says you're forgiven, the same thing. When Jesus died for our sins and rose again in three days, the body comes to life. It's not like there's some long process. If he says it, what? It is so. So that's how this psalm starts. It's pretty audacious. I always think, what if God would have said to Adam? Some of you are single. What if God would have said to Adam, you need a woman? And he says, who am I going to date? And God says, if you'll just wait here, we'll make you a woman. It's going to take about 2,000 years. Hang on. No, he said it, let there be a woman. And it was so. And here I want to tell you, that's where all the trouble started. When a woman, no, no. Say with your notes. So when you meet a new baby, please don't just say, oh, she looks just like her mother. That's okay to say. But in your heart at least, say, God. When you see a rainbow, don't count the colors. 
Give glory to God who made this. Where we live in Michigan, I don't think they do this here yet, they'll tell us exactly when the sunrise is gonna happen. How does that happen? Well, the weatherman's in charge. No, they know how the whole thing works, and they say, ah, there it is. One time, uh, Janine and I went to, uh, we're not very far from uh, the beach in Lake Michigan, and we got there, and all this crowd was watching the sunset. It was at 9.18. Nobody could change that. That's the way the whole earth and this moon and the sun. And I, I, was, I wasn't being a smart aleck. I just didn't know what to say. And 20 people were on the deck as I, we came up from the beach. And I said, do you know who did that? When you look at the sunrise or the sunset or your baby or your own heart, Give God thanks. I had some tests recently and they came out good. But one of them was, um, they're using one of those magic wands. I think they use them to see if you're pregnant. And she said no right away. <laughs> and then they can look at your heart and my heart's on the screen next to me. And I said, is that my heart? I'm talking to the nurse. She said, yes. And I could hear it beating and the blood swishing. And I said just in a moment to the nurse, you know, God doesn't get enough credit. She's in on this and she said, absolutely, he doesn't. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. He made you through your parents. He owns it. I... That's a picture from Hub Telescope, excuse me, James Webb Telescope. They have discovered millions of stars they didn't know were there. In one black hole, I'm out of my field, so if you're a scientist, be patient. But in a black hole that is there, one of them, they said now they can see it's actually a stellar nursery, meaning producing stars, and they gave a rate of how many. Do you know that Jesus said he knows all those stars by name? And every bird of the air, too. When you see some of these things, or even think about your own body and your own life and death, give God thanks and worship him. They actually discovered that things that look like black holes and look like dust are actually producing stars, and the universe is growing by stars. I don't get that. I'm just saying God did this. Verse 4, 3. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, the point is, if a God is that strong and powerful, who's going to walk up his hill? Who shall stand in his holy place? By the way, the holy place was a secret word to the Jews. They knew what it meant. In the holy of holies, in the temple, there's a holy of holies and one called the holy place. And you didn't run in there. In fact, if you went in the big room, or the, the most important room, not big, the holy of holies, unauthorized, you died. Boom. Two guys that were drunk went in there once. They're done. So don't say, I'm going to talk to the old man upstairs or the big man. 
and I'm going to run into his presence. Or when I die, I can't wait to meet Peter at the gate. Nonsense. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, he answers it. Four. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who's that? Who does not lift up his soul to what is false. He never lies or vanity. Does not swear deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. And watch this. It's a hint of something to come, but it also was true in the Old Testament. And he shall receive righteousness from the Lord. And the only way to get righteousness is a gift. So in the Old Testament, come on, who doesn't, who in the world has a pure heart and has never lied? There's no one. So he says, you'll receive righteousness as a gift. And in the Old Testament, it was by faith in his revelation. His revelation was, put your hand on the head of the lamb, son. Put your sin on the lamb. The lamb will die for your sin as a substitute. And I'm sure kids said, dad, what do I got to do this? Put your hand on the head of the lamb. They kill the lamb, their sins are forgiven because they're trusting in their creator. So who's going to come into him? Well, everybody in this room that has a clean heart and, verse 5, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Doesn't matter your background denominationally, there are all kinds of good truths and weird truths. Nobody Climbs, climbs up Sunshine Mountain. Nobody earns righteousness on their own. Come on, a holy God who could create the world and the universe with a flick of his wrist, and I'm going to run into his presence without a guest pass? He'll receive. Who will? He'll receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness. I could add as a gift. I mean, I mentioned if you went into the Holy of Holies unauthorized, you fall dead. If you tried to force your way into the presence of God, or you're calling the big man upstairs and you just think he's going to forgive everybody, you're totally wrong. There's a gift of righteousness. On my last home visit in Akron, a number of years ago, I said to a man who was dying, you know, he told me how great he was with integrity. I said, you know, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. He said, nobody's perfect. I said, right, but perfect is a gift. Do you know how it works? By faith in his revelation. And today his revelation is about Jesus Christ. Kids, even you do what's wrong. I have a picture I'm pretending it's a picture of my brother and me, and see the one on the left? He started this fight. That's my brother. Actually, it's not. But even little kids say mine before they learn any other four-letter word. We're sinners from the beginning. Nobody had to teach you how to lie. You didn't go to kindergarten to figure out how to try to make yourself look better than you are. It just came. So we need this creator and redeemer. Is he yours? 
Would the maker of the universe look at you and say, yep, he's forgiven. You do know what happened. I forge ahead in time. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was perfectly righteous. And all our sins, put your hand on the head of the lamb, son, all our sins were put on the lamb of God, the one final lamb of God. And when your sins were put on him, he called out, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he cried out, it is paid for. It is finished. So when you put your faith in Christ, do it today if you're not sure. When you put your faith in Christ, that counts for you. You will never pay for your sins. Do you belong to him? Whose are you? Not only that, nobody goes to heaven with a zero. When you put your faith in Christ, his righteousness covers you. He's perfect. And Romans 4.1 says, or five, your faith is counted as righteousness. Whoa. That means in front of God, all believers in this room, your sins are forgiven, paid for by Jesus. He'll never bring them up. Your righteousness is a gift. Now live like that. Live in combination with Christ. The gift of righteousness. That's what he gives us. So he's the creator redeemer, but the next part of it says he's also the king of the universe, the Lord of hosts. See if you believe this. I want to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. This was a gold chest, very valuable. They're still looking for it. This is not about Harrison Ford. If you never read the Bible and you just go to movies, you think we're talking about Harrison Ford. It's a good movie. I think it's called The Family That Changed the World or something like that. <laughs> Inside that golden altar were three things, kids. The Ten Commandments, a bowl of manna, that's the pizza they ate in the wilderness for 40 years. What are we having today? You think if your wife cooks the same thing, what are we having today, honey? Manna. And we're getting water from a rock. Huh? We're having, we had water and pizza yesterday, or manna. But that's, there was a bowl in the Ark of the Covenant to say, God will take care of you. There was a third thing, and it was the wooden hiking stick of Aaron, the priest, and it was a stick that God made grow flowers or, or greens to say, you know what? I can bring life out of death. That's me. That's you. So in that Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, don't you dare go in there, except one day a week, the high priest, one day a year, the high priest can. At that Ark of the Covenant, there were three things to say, God has laws, Ten Commandments, God will give life a wooden stick that bore fruit, and manna, he will take care of your needs. Okay, that's the Ark of the Covenant. If somebody touched it, boom, he died. One of the great things, Joshua chapter 6. They would take the ark across a raging flood river, the Jordan River. And 
they told the priests to go first with the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as you put your feet in the water, the water will stop. The river will stop. Huh? They put the interns in the front. <laughs> you guys hold the Ark. Go. As soon as they put their foot in the water, God stopped it. Because if he says it, boom, it is so. Boom. I read an interesting explanation just the other day, getting ready, that they say 17 miles up the river, there was a place where the river sometimes gets shallow, and that happened just at that day. Okay. But I think if God says river stop, it stops. And they crossed, all two million of them. That's the Ark of the Covenant. Don't mess with this. So they put it in the temple in the Holy of Holies. David wrote this psalm to celebrate when the ark came back. The Philistines had it for seven years, and they experienced so much trouble, including warts and disease and all kinds of things, because they were heathen in the sense that they didn't believe in God. They said, take it back. And David wrote this to be read at the celebration of when they return with the ark. That's the third section, verse seven. David writes, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, doors to the temple, maybe the gates to the city, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? And I say to you as a church, lift up your heads. Lift up your hearts. He's God. He'll take care of us. He's Lord. But David wrote this for when the ark gets here and they brought it carefully, they held it carefully. You guys, lift up your heads. Open the gates. Put the towers up higher. God is here. God as symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 8. Who is this king of glory? It's like somebody from the gate would yell, Who is the king of glory? Answer. The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Second verse. Lift up your heads, O gates. And lift them up, O ancient doors, David writes, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. I think Putin thinks he's the king of glory. Now, maybe it's Chi, however you say his name. Or maybe it's Trump or Biden, equal time. A lot of people think they're the king of glory or the center of the universe. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty. He's the Lord, the Lord of hosts. So lift up your voice sometimes. Lift up your heart and let the king of glory into your life. And that's what he's saying to Israel, the creator. The Lord Almighty, strong and mighty. From the day that Adam and Eve sinned, there would be a battle. The prediction then was 
that someday the seed of the woman, meaning a human being, descended through Eve and a lot of other people, a human being would crush the snake, step on it. That's Jesus. Everything in the Bible is Jesus. He's the Lord Almighty. When he was killed on the cross, his body dropped, stopped, the heart stopped. They put him in a damp, empty tomb, a big cave. They put a big stone over the opening. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty, and his body quivers. And on Sunday morning, he sits up, takes off the grave clothes, and walks out. Amen. The Lord, mighty in battle. Yes. For some of you, it was a huge battle when you came to faith in Christ, or it is right now. Well, who is he? He's the one who guided the stone that David threw and it killed Goliath. He's the rock in the wilderness. Paul the apostle said, that rock is Jesus. And I go, huh? He's always been the Lord Almighty, the Lord King in battle. Even in his violent death, that's who he is. He asked the question again. Verse 8, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Verse 9, lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory... Who is the king of glory? I should ask that every day to remind myself. Who is the king of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the king of glory. What do you mean? Well, he's the Lord of all the angels, and there are millions of them, and he knows them all by name. In the Bible, it says he knows all the stars by name. Take that, James Webb. Meaning all the billions that they're still producing, he knows them. He knows every bird. I don't get that. I just say he's the owner. The Lord owns the earth and all that is in it. And we have to decide if we want to obey him and trust him. The Lord of hosts. He's the Lord not only of the, all the stars, but all the hosts of angels. It says in Luke, when Jesus was born, the heavenly hosts sang a song. Who are they? They're angels. I suppose there's millions of them, maybe more. He's the Lord of those hosts. He's the Lord of all the hosts of people around the world who through your missions and your giving and Lord of all the hosts of people that have ever attended churches who believe, he's their Lord. When he returns, the angels will fill the skies. He's the Lord of hosts. They can't wait. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He's the king of glory. Who did you think it was? I think David would say to people today, who did you think? What were you thinking? Do you believe this? Do you know that the moment you believe in God's revelation through Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross, 
you're forgiven. And if he says it, it is so. The psalm concludes with a word that's there a number of places in the Bible. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And over to the left or to the right, it says, Selah. Now, music people think that was written for music people. Music people exaggerate. (laughs) I think Selah means, think about that. He's the Lord who said, let there be light. Let there be a woman and a man. Let there be a universe that staggers our understanding. And there was Selah. Think about that. He's the Lord who said, you're not going to make it on your own to all the people of all the nations. So he sends his son who dies with every one of our sins on his back, rises from the grave, And all our sins are forgiven if we're in Christ. Selah. Think about that every day. He's the Lord who will someday return to earth. And he maybe will say, or the angels will sing, open the gates. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Open the gates of the city. Open the portals of the world that the king of glory will come in. And someone will yell, who is the king of glory? And he will answer, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, the Lord of hosts, and I'm back. And someday, did you know this? He'll take us to heaven, and in a sense, at least, he'll ask heaven to open the doors. And maybe a chief angel or even God the Father would say, for whom? And the answer will be, it's the Lord Almighty. It's the eternal Son. It's the Lord of hosts. And God will say to him and to all of us, come in. Selah. Let's pray. I want to be there. We want to be there. And we are through Jesus Christ alone. We honor you today as the creator of the universe. We honor you as the creator of all who believe a new creation in Christ. As you pray, not out loud, but in a quiet moment, honor him as the Lord of the heart and the baby and the sunset and the universe. If the stars could cry out, they'd say, you ought to worship Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Christ and believe, not 
nonchalantly, not like, oh yeah, he existed. No, like all your sins were on him and you can trust him and you can turn to him and ask his righteousness. Then you'll stand in the hill of the Lord. Thank you, God. We have one place to hide. In the Lord, King Almighty, Lord of hosts, this place is yours. Amen. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.